Thank you for taking time to study with us today on Drawing Near. If you have any questions or comments about today's study, or spiritual things in general, feel free to contact me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. After addressing the qualifications for pastors and deacons, Paul offers Timothy encouragement. Today on Drawing Near, we are told the reasoning behind the instructions that Timothy is receiving. So join me in taking our Bibles and turning to 1 Timothy chapter 3 as we study Common Confession. As we prepare for our study, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the grace that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. What a wonder to consider that Jesus willingly gave himself to die on the cross to bear our sin. And having died and was buried, he resurrected and ascended to the right hand of the Father, all so that he might glorify you and save us. Father, we thank you for the continuing work of Jesus Christ in our lives and in heaven. Guide and direct us in our study. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The last few verses of 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul explains to Timothy his purpose for writing the things that he has written. He says in verse 14, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. As Paul often does in his letters to individuals and churches, he expresses his desire to come and visit them very soon. He does this in Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I'm hoping to come to you before long. Now, Paul understands that simply because he desires to come to Timothy, that doesn't mean that he will be able to do so. Sometimes God's will interferes with Paul's desire. Sometimes circumstances arise that delay him. And so Paul knows that he may not be able to come. So in verse 15, he says, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. That's what Paul is doing here in 1 Timothy. That's the perspective we are to take. We are to ask ourselves the question, how should someone conduct themselves? How should they behave in the church, the household of God? There is a right way to conduct yourself and a wrong way to conduct yourself. The church is to function, according to Paul's writing in 1 Corinthians, in a decent and orderly way. There is to be a sense of order. There is a sense of propriety in the church. We do not get to choose what that is. God, in his word, has expressed to us his will for the church. And so we need to study God's word understand what he says about the church and how the church is to function, and then we are to comply. We are to submit to the leadership of God. Now, Paul, in revealing this, he describes a little bit of the church. First, he calls it the household of God. We are God's people. We are God's children. We are all a part of God's family. He is our father. We are his sons and daughters. That makes us brothers and sisters. So the church is a household. It is where we have intimate relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, a deep abiding fellowship around the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, 
and the indwelling Holy Spirit. We are guided by the Bible, God's holy inspired word. We are led by pastors and deacons in the church. That's what we're seeing here. And we need to understand this is the household of God. He further describes it in verse 15 as the church of the living God. We are the called out ones. We are the congregation, the church of the living God. That's what church means. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. And what it means is to be called out, to be called to a gathering. We are called out of the world to gather together as the church of the living God. It's interesting, and it should be pointed out, this is not simply the church of God, but the church of the living God. God is alive. God is real. He is spirit, and we who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. But the fact that he is spirit doesn't mean he is any less real. He is the living God, and we serve a living God. We serve a living Christ who died on the cross and was buried and resurrected and sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He also describes the church as the pillar and support of the truth. This is a critical designation. The idea of pillar means we uphold truth, and we see that in this verse, the pillar and support of the truth. We uphold truth. We support truth. That's what the church is about. We live on this earth to live out the truth of God, to proclaim the truth of God, to draw others to faith in Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation in this world to reconcile sinners to a saving God. We uphold the truth of God's word. That gives us a unique position in all the world because those who do not serve the living God do not know the truth. Truth is embraced and understood as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is a body of truth that exists. It is God's truth, and the world is living contrary to that truth. So that automatically pits us in an opposing point of view from the world. We hold up the truth, we support the truth, we declare the truth, and the world either chooses to reject the truth and continue to live in their secular humanistic lies, or they repent, confess Christ as their Savior, and come to the knowledge of the truth and receive the freedom that is in Christ Jesus. We need to understand that we who worship God not only worship Him in spirit, but we worship Him in spirit and in truth. Then continuing on to verse 16, Paul declares a common confession. This is a common confession among believers those who have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh, was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. As we examine this confession, the first thing that we see is, great is the mystery of godliness. It is a wonder it is awesome to contemplate all that God has done to bring about godliness in the lives of sinful human beings. Great is this mystery. It is difficult to grasp. We may never fully grasp this until we get into heaven. He who was revealed in the flesh, 
Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down to this earth, born of a virgin, was made known in the flesh. He came into his own. His own received him not. He who is the creator became part of the creation. He was revealed or made known in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit. Literally, through the work of the Holy Spirit, he was made known to be the Messiah. Through his works, through the testimony of the Holy Spirit at his baptism, through the way the Spirit worked in the lives of other people, Jesus was sinless, was righteous and holy, and he was declared able to be our sacrifice on the cross. He was seen by angels in heaven, and angels witnessed his work of grace and mercy in his work on the cross. We even see in the book of Revelation how the angels and the heavenly beings will see the culmination of this as Jesus, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, appears before the throne of God as a lamb who was slain, and he takes the scroll from the right hand of the Father and begins to open the seals of the scroll. He was seen by angels, and yet he became a little lower than the angels to redeem lost humanity. He has been proclaimed among the nations. That is a command, to go into all the world and make disciples. We are to proclaim him among the nations. The gospel will be preached among all nations according to the word of God. He is proclaimed among the nations. He's believed on in the world, not by the whole world, but he is believed on by those of us who, through the grace and work of God and his powerful gospel, have trusted in Christ Jesus. We believe on him, and he was taken up into glory. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's what we see in Acts chapter 1. This is the common confession, that Jesus came in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. What a marvelous message. What a powerful message. Do you believe it? I certainly do. Do we proclaim it? This is the truth, and we as the church support this truth, live out this truth, declare this truth. Father in heaven, thank you for your truth. Thank you for calling us into your household, into your family, for saving us from our sins, for establishing us in your kingdom. We thank you for the work of Christ, which makes all of this possible. And help us to understand how we are to conduct ourselves in your church. Father, help us to realize the importance of your church in this world and not shirk our responsibilities, but to conduct ourselves in a way that honors you, that is worthy of those who are called out of this world into your household. Work among your people. Guide and direct us. Thank you for Jesus Christ and the glorious gospel. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to these podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, provided with the hope that we will draw near to God and he will draw near to us.